Hello and welcome to 51st Coffees. So why 51st Coffees? Now, this is very little to do with coffee and everything to do with connection through conversation, plus finding out how far can a good conversation go. There are 52 weeks in a year and I look forward to speaking to someone new inside and outside my social circle at least once a week. These are people I admire for a whole bunch of reasons. They are fueled by ambition, passion, greed, curiosity. They are from a wide range of industries. They are from all around the world and they're still figuring it all out. This this whole thing in every sense of it is a first for me. My name is Masha Aida. and welcome to my 51st coffees in this episode we get to meet the amazing and gorgeous priscilla ngether koinange she is an international storyteller and communication specialist with professional experience in producing and presenting and writing for tv and radio currently working for bbc africa she is also a girls girl who uses her platform to advocate for women she is also one of the co-hosts and producers of the podcast it's not just taxes and death here is priscilla So, I don't know how it kind of started was I feel like my dad kind of spoke it into me. <laughs> so when I was younger, I I used to talk a lot, a lot. I still do but more so then. So my dad said my dad used to always say, "You, you just belong on BBC Radio." Or you all I hear is yep, 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 yep. That's where you're going to end up. We lived really close to so there there's a there was an old BBC called The Bush House which was located in White City, Shepherd's Bush. So mm-hmm. we lived right close to them and my dad used to always say when whenever we'd walk past that's where you're going to end up that's where you're going to end up. So also that gave me sort of an idea of what I wanted to do from a young age. So I yeah. was like okay so I love communicating, I love talking. Um <laughs> and <laughs> I like but I wasn't too sure exactly what I wanted to do. So in high school um I was really good at English language and English lit and then I took up drama and media as well. So in my head I was thinking okay maybe I should you know become a writer or or um an actor. So um I applied for this performing arts school called the Brit School uh where yeah. a, a lot of different people um renowned artists and um and actors went to that school so like people like Adele in like, Winehouse Yeah like uh, I was thinking how is that experience like just to be in a school like I've always admired kind of like imagine in an imaginative way like how yeah. the experience would be to actually be in a creative school you know It was, it was really nice. It's actually one of those things where I thought, okay, if I start, would I would I sing and dancing in the cafeteria? Mm. You know, in the <laughs> hallways. In the hallway. And because there was different strands, there was the uh, musical theater strand, there was the dance strand, there was the drama strand, the theater strand and the media strand. I kid you not the musical theater lot used to love singing and dancing everywhere and anywhere. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's just glee all over, right? <laughs> It felt like glee at some point. I I was actually initially going to apply for theater for drama. But as I was walking through on the open evening, I saw this room and there was cameras, lights, 
and like a presenter and I was just like whoa what's this this is what I should apply for so I I um, exchanged my application instead of doing theatre I applied for broadcast and digital communication and oh, nice. um, so I got into that which was great and after that I had no idea what I wanted to do <laughs> no idea what I wanted to do it came to a point where you have to apply for uni so two years you're there and then you have to apply for uni and I literally had no idea because I was good at many things so I was like should I go into because oh, yeah. at the time I actually had a, a company um, I created a small company well me and a group of students in high school created a small uh, events company for under 18s so nice. to like um, we hosted parties for under 18s so there was no alcohol but yet you can still party in London oh so, yeah like jam session vibe. yeah 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 so we created that in year 11 and it carried on during my time at, um, at the Brit school so I was like okay so I'm good at doing events maybe I should um, go to uni to do events management and then I was like yeah. but I like journalism as well but I'm not I'm not into really hard news but I do like journalism so I was like I was like, oh, but maybe I should do marketing and advertising. <laughs> I was so confused. So um, I decided talking to one of my teachers and she was like, Priscilla, I really see you on screen. Like you, you're just good at it. So I was just like, okay. So I was like, so what should I do? You know, you're lost. You're, you, you're this like 17, 18 year old. They've thrown you out to the world and said, go and fly. And you're like, where? So I was like, okay, maybe I should. So I decided to apply um, to broadcast journalism, um, multimedia journalism to be exact. So I went to a, a school called Bournemouth, a university called Bournemouth. And um, yeah. their media school it's, is really, is well known and it's really good. So I was happy to get into that. But I kid you not, I hated it. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Journalism isn't for me. I was like, nah. <laughs> I just, I, I really didn't enjoy my time um, studying journalism. Uh, and funny enough, I had to sit out one year to redo an exam. So imagine I was just like, oh, this isn't for me. Um, I can't do this oh anymore. My <laughs> oh my goodness. I was actually reconsidering, like maybe changing my subject because the university that I went to was pretty harsh. So if you fail yeah. an exam, unlike other unis, you can actually just um, add that exam to your other year. Oh, so yeah. Bournemouth, you have to sit out the whole year. All year. Do oh, that God. one exam. Yeah. It must so have been a very unfair. proper school. My goodness. Like it's a proper. proper school. Well, they didn't take into consideration your coursework as well. Because my coursework, I remember, I think I got, yeah, it was the first in the coursework. Yeah. But yeah. The, in the exam, I, I failed. Yo. Like, what? So it's like, yeah, no. Although you got a first in your coursework, you failed the exam. So you have to like stay out for the whole year and um, redo the exam. So that was quite annoying and disheartening. So, after that, I was pretty sure, you know what? I hate journalism. <laughs> I hate yeah. this. Like it's wronged you, first of all. Like how dare they make you sit out the whole year? I, I know. It was sad yeah. like to see just my peers progress onto the other year. Well, some of us, there was a few of us who had to 
um, redo some exams, mm-hmm. but still mm-hmm. like majority like progressed. So um, I remember I was really, really sad. But then I think I always think things happen for a reason because then um, within the final, when I went to my final year, I applied for work experience at the BBC. So this was before I graduated. At this time, still a lot of people who had graduated the year before were still looking for jobs and whatnot. So I got that work experience and while I was there, I, I brought like a different perspective to the to the office I was working in because I was very different. <laughs> I was a young black female compared to yeah. the majority of um the people that worked in that office. So I guess the ideas that I brought was kind of very different and fresh to what they were uh, used to. And um, then they were like, oh, why don't you stay on as a freelancer? So I started getting a lot of work. And then a few months after that, I think maybe four months into freelancing, I I did my first um, documentary that went around the world. So that's why I say I think. What? Like your first documentary actually had a worldwide audience? Yes, it did. (laughs) Wow. So that's why I say I think things happen for a reason because I feel like maybe if I had graduated the year before, I wouldn't have had had that opportunity to actually have work experience at the BBC and then get on as a freelancer and then, you know. Um, yeah, that's a fact. BBC the yeah. way I did, yeah. So that's how I got into my <laughs> career. I love that. <laughs> Who or what has been like your greatest influence so far? Uh, my greatest influence, I'd say, is the women in, in, in my life. Um, more so um, my mother, my grandmothers. But my great-grandmother has been a huge influence in my life since I was little. Um, so when I was, I remember I was in primary school. I can't remember what year I was, but I was really, really young. Maybe about yeah. seven years old or something like that. And then I remember my dad saying to me, oh, your great grandma has turned like 103. I was like, what? Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm like this little seven year old, like people actually live that long. Like what? That is ancient. <laughs> Since then, I've been so fascinated by her. I'm like, she's what? How old? So the first time I, I visited Kenya was when I was 13. One of the first people we went to visit was her. And I remember we just got along so well, like so well. And then when people had met me, they used to always say, oh, you really look like you're my tour. So even before I had met her, people were always saying, you remind us of our, you know, your great grandmother. So um, I met her and then I was just like, wow, this is such a phenomenal woman. Like she did, first of all, she didn't look, I don't know how old she was at that time when I was 13, but she did not look over 80. Wow. Really good genes. And also listening to stories that she used to tell me, I was just like, she is so graceful. She has gone through so much, but she has learned to forgive. And also um, she loves uh, unconditionally. And she's such an intelligent woman, yet she didn't go to school. I was literally, I was like, wow. She's, she's been my biggest inspiration. Then you decided to do, to start a podcast. Now, when I saw the, it's not just taxes and death, like, first of all, from the title to <laughs> even like your intro episode to the discussions you, you have like so far in the, in the podcast, I just want to know, like, from your perspective, why, why did you feel like it's really necessary to bring these conversations 
right now? I had always wanted to have a platform where I can discuss things because I think my Instagram is not enough. So usually on my Instagram, I put up uh, typical debates or like social issues or stuff about feminism, stuff about mental health, just as posts here and there. But I was like, uh, I need a platform talk in depth just about what people are going through and more about what people black people are going through and people of color so yeah. our first episode was to do with men mental health especially black men then our second episode was about women uh, black women just you know being first of all a woman then being black and then just yeah. having that double burden to carry and sometimes it's triple because even with your social um economic status that's also another exactly. thing exactly so I just wanted a platform where I'm able to voice and actually discuss in depth about these kind of things. Some Sometimes our podcast can be a bit fluffy. So sometimes we do talk about just relationships or what's going on, like where am I in the world or something like that. But I really do when we di- I really do like when we dive deep into conversations that people don't really want to have or are afraid of having or just... You know, when you get on with life, it's sometimes these things are just left in the closet or left swept under the rug. But we wanted a platform where we can really discuss these things. What does it mean for you to be seen or heard? For me, what it means to be seen or heard is to help the younger me also be seen and heard. I want my life to have impact on other people's lives. Maybe there was a period of time where I wasn't seen and heard, especially living in the UK. Um, as a black woman, you're, you're literally at the bottom of the pile. You're not seen or heard as much. Your concerns are not, are not they're not valid to a lot of people. Like you see this, um, I even spoke about it in the podcast. You see this even in, in, um, in the healthcare system, where black women here in the UK are five times more likely to die during childbirth. Oh my God, like the statistics are appalling, honestly. Are appalling. And why is that? You're a black woman, you're not seen, you're not heard. Your your voice is really, it's not, it's not a thing to anyone. So for me, heard is literally to help the younger black women also be seen and heard what are some of your most like um memorable moments i have many 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 awarding um moments but i think for me the biggest thing was doing a documentary on my great-grandmother that was a dream (laughs) tell me about this like you you did where is this i need to see this is it is it public (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's public i put it on a, a youtube channel on my youtube channel oh, nice. i'll send you the link right after um but yeah. it was broadcasted on bbc world news and bbc news um so it was broadcasted nice. globally i guess that was the most awarding moment because i felt like the way she has impacted me in my life people need a piece of that <laughs> <laughs> world needs to experience this magnificent woman so I I pitched that story this is the documentary that that I pitched I think five months into um, my freelance work I pitched it through a competition and um so I won and I was like oh really really (laughs) 
So it's like now everyone can experience the love and joy of my mitel. <laughs> that was the most, I think, uh, rewarding moment so far in my life. Just being able to have her tell her story and um, touch thousands of people around the world. Like I had so many messages from people around the globe, from from places like Spain to, to Mali. Like people are just like, wow, your great grandma is so amazing. I cried. I was oh my God. like, yay. What are some of the important lessons you've learned? Um, I think one of the biggest things is never take anything too personally. Never. The reason I say that is because words can really impact you. Rejection can really impact you. So you should try and not take those things to sleep with you because it will, it will, it will, it will chip away at you and chip away at your spirit. Another one, another lesson that I've, I've learned is always be nice. It's always be nice. People are going to find ways to bring out the worst in you, but just or smile and brush it off never compete with other people they have their own story (laughs) they have their own story they have their own ways and their own journey of how they got to where they are now and your story and your journey is completely different completely different so you can't compare yourself to someone Because you don't know what they've been through. You don't know how they've got there. You don't know what their story is. And also the only person you should be competing with is the person you were yesterday. What have you done today to improve the version of you two days ago? To improve the version of you a month ago? To improve the version of you six months ago? You should always be looking to progress, especially within yourself. So never ever compete with someone else and look at their progression and think I should be where they are. No, 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 no. You can't be where they are because you haven't taken the same steps that they have. But the steps you've taken now compete with that. What are you going to do next? How are you going to navigate to that destination? What are some of the adult myths you've uh, seen over the years? I think one of the biggest adulting myths is that (laughs) adulting is fun. (laughs) (laughs) It is the ghetto. (laughs) I will not recommend. (laughs) Um... It is the ghetto. (laughs) (laughs) But we wanted to grow up so fast. (laughs) We wanted to grow up so bad. I remember when I was a teenager, when I was like 13, it's like, yeah, I can't wait to be, you know, 20, 25. Like, what? Take me back. In my own, in my own beautiful apartment with my own car and my own, like, I don't know. I don't know what we were talking about. Take me back. (laughs) Please, I would not recommend it. (laughs) If I knew what I knew now. Oh my gosh, that whole flashy thing of when you're an adult, you know, there's so much freedom, there's this and that. Actually, no, you realize when you're adult, there's kind of less freedom because you're tied down by bills that you have to pay. Exactly, exactly. Um, you're tied down by a company that tells you what to do or what not to do. It's it's not as fun as, as being a 16-year-old. So yeah, I definitely would not recommend adulting. <laughs> <laughs> What would you tell what would you tell like your 16 year old self like knowing what you know now I would tell her to take her time take her time I'd say yeah. not to be in a rush to be a grown up I guess looking at people who are older you feel like oh they have so much freedom they're not under the rules of mom and dad you know they can 
go out whenever they want. These things that you see that's on the outside, but actually, no, they have bills to pay. They're navigating friendships and relationships. They're navigating work. They're trying to get a better salary. That you know, it's a lot. <laughs> they're thinking about, oh my gosh, I don't have a husband. I'm nearly thirty. What would my family think? You know, there's so much stress. <laughs> oh gosh, like and all <laughs> angles, all angles. Um, and also, I'd say to, I'd say now to my early twenties year old self. I'd say not to be in a rush to find, like, gosh, you know that that dream you're told um, that you must have a life partner by the time you're 25, get married, have your kids. That was in my plan as well. (laughs) Yeah, yes. It was in my well-laid plans. plans. (laughs) (laughs) All of our plans. Um, Gosh. We tell my early 20-year-old self, it's, it's, Take your time. It's better to find the right person than to be in something where you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life. <laughs> and also, you can do things alone while you figure things out. 20 is still young. It's still young. And I even tell, like, my aunties right now, the ones that keep asking, oh, jeez, are my grandmas? Let me not lie. <laughs> yeah. The ones that keep asking, so when are you going to bring us kids? When are you going to bring us a man? When are you going to bring this and that? I tell them, guys, I'm still young. I'm 26. I'm 26. Like, if I find a man unsettled down anytime soon, it's not that I don't, but I'm not going to put pressure on myself to. Now that there's there's a difference between putting pressure on yourself, um, wanting to, and not wanting to. So I say to them, it's just I'm not putting pressure on myself. If I find a good man, I will bring him home, you know? What do you look for in... um? In your relationships, be it friendships or even like just um, a romantic uh, relationship, what are the things that are important to you? For me, is um, communication, um, yeah. honesty, honesty. I think I cannot emphasize how much <laughs> honesty. I know. I, yeah, because oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> You would date people and they are just compulsive liars. And you're like, but did you really have to lie about that? So that's why honesty has become one major thing for me. If you mess up, even if you're in a friendship and, you know, your friend does something that she knows or he knows that you will not like, if they're honest with you, you can, you can figure it out. You can patch things up. But if you have someone who does something to hurt you and is not honest about it and just covers it up covers it up with more lies then you're like who are you even it's communication honesty and also someone who's good and kind-hearted um because myself I like to think I'm kind-hearted I like to think I'm an open book and I would never do things to people to intentionally hurt them I like to see the reflection of that. Um, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> I need to narrow my things because I literally want to do everything. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. Like, okay. Have you ever been in? Have you ever been in a situation where no one is telling you, but you're just like, oh my god, like me to me, you are doing too much. Can you? Yeah, actually, <laughs> organize. <laughs> my friend sat me down and she was like, Priscilla, okay, like I told her about all my ideas. He's like, okay, this is all amazing, but you need to space them out, girl. You're 26. 
you can only do like one thing or two things at a time. You can't be, you know, writing a book, thinking about doing a film at the same time, getting to a leadership role as well as doing this and that and buying this house and getting into property. And I'm like, but I can do it all. He's like, I know you can do it all, but you need to take time. You need to space it. <laughs> so with me, I'm literally, I just want to do everything. But where I see myself in the future, I definitely see myself as a businesswoman that that will be to do with property so I want to get onto a property ladder probably uh, be a landlord um, have a few nice um, I uh-huh. want to create a sustainable business as well um, maybe yeah. a small one but yeah I have something in mind but I shall keep that until I'm ready to really work on that <laughs> I get you I get you you're still manifesting it in your head still manifesting it yeah um I definitely want to stay in media and communications, but I want to go into a role where um, I'm able to impact. I'm, I'm, I'm able to actually make decisions that impact, um, that actually changes a few rules that helps people come up, especially for m- marginalized people. So I want to be in a, um, a director role within communications. Also want to write a book? Yes. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> also want to write a book, have that published. Well, actually, you have mm-hmm. a few ideas, fictional and non-fictional books. So at 50 First Coffees, we have a tradition mm-hmm. where I ask uh, my coffee dates um, a f- a five uh, lightning round questions. I call them, I, I keep laughing when I say this because they're not very lightning, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> Question one, when was the last time you did something for the first time and what was it? Uh, the last time I did something for the first time was create the podcast. It's not just taxes and death. Um, how's that? How's, how's that just like, how's that feeling of like just recording for the first time and then putting it out there? How was that for you? It's like, oh my gosh, I've never done anything outside of my organization outside the BBC. So it was, it was a bit like, oh my, this is actually Priscilla now, you know? Question two, what's the biggest lesson you've learned this year? Uh, the biggest lesson I've learned is, um, I think, is not to take things too personally. That is the yeah. biggest lesson I've learned. Not to take things too personally, especially when it comes to the way other people perceive you or the way other people judge you. Don't take it too personally because they'll judge you anyway and someone will have a perception of you anyway. And as long as you yeah. know who you are, and the direction you're taking and what you're doing is um, intentionally not to hurt anyone, you'll be okay. Question um, three, name one person you would love to have coffee with and why? Michelle Obama. Oh my gosh. Oh! Yes. <laughs> like our auntie. Like <laughs> You know, like she's, oh gosh. She is amazing. I would love to just, to just listen to her talk about anything. Because I know whatever she says, by me <laughs> ever she says even though she's talking about getting her hair done there's gonna be some some nuggets in there <laughs> I just find her very inspiring a wholesome woman a strong woman who has gone through a lot especially when she was in the limelight with her husband um, Barack Obama she has gone through a lot but yet she stayed graceful she stayed graceful and she held her head up high and she never ever ever let anyone dim her shine she may have gone through things behind the scenes, but she never showed anyone her weakness. 
And um, she's inspiring to many, many, many women across the world, uh, no matter like what race, what age they are, even to men across the world. That's yeah. just, it's, it's what I aspire to be like. Yeah. Question five, how do you take your coffee? Well, I do love me a cappuccino. And let me tell you something, no one actually knows uh-huh. what they're doing. <laughs> that, is, that is the biggest secret that it has been kept for years and years. No one actually knows what they are doing. They just do it. Look at Donald Trump. <laughs> oh my goodness. You so, just you just like move things around in your president. <laughs> like literally, you just have to fake it and have confidence until you have an idea of the flow of things but you learn as you go on and no one ever knows completely what they're doing there's a saying that the man who thinks he knows everything nothing at all love love having you guys all on board and having coffee with us i am amazed i am amazed and i'm just loving this conversation so far let me know which ones you're loving and what you're picking out of them send me a voice message favorite and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast follow us at 51st coffees on instagram and at fast coffees on twitter follow it's not just taxes and death on instagram as well and listen to the amazing conversations and the amazing discussions that priscilla is having over there with her co-host calvin 